Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Electric and Wealthfront. I'm Simone de Rochefort, Senior Video Producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft. Brianna is taking the week off one more time uh, in the hopes that her voice will heal and become uh, like as silk drawn through a metal napkin ring or a, a, a smooth, slender waterfall cascading over a worn stone from the Ice Age. Uh, in the meantime, you have us. You do have us. And we have, it, as it turned, turns out, a pretty good news week for you. Starting off with a, another massive video game industry consolidation. So on the heels of last week's uh, Microsoft purchasing Activision, Sony has said, what about us? Mm -hmm. uh, and has announced that it is buying Bungie, the studio that made that for invented Halo, um, broke off and has more recently uh, been making Destiny, most recently Destiny 2. This is a $3.6 billion deal, just one studio much smaller than Activision. Uh, but of course, Sony CEO Jim Ryan says there are quote unquote more moves to make. We should absolutely expect more. We are by no means done with PlayStation. We have a long way to go. Uh, according to their statement, uh, all the statements coming out of this, Destiny 2 will remain multi-platform and uh, there's the option for Bungie to self-publish its games still. Uh, Sony is reportedly interested in the Destiny IP, but also Bungie's quote-unquote expertise and technologies that Bungie has developed in the live game service space. So that, of course, means online multiplayer and all these games where people can congregate. Uh, Activision notably brought a lot of those into the fold for Microsoft. So this is just one step towards that for Sony. Uh, this, of course, comes on the heels of... Earlier in January, uh, Take-Two, the giant, giant publisher of GTA and Borderlands, uh, announced plans to acquire Zynga. And then, of course, the Microsoft Activision deal. Um, and earlier or last year, the Microsoft Bethesda deal. So the whole industry is rapidly consolidating. And meanwhile, Microsoft still has $60 billion in cash to spend. <laughs> So that's where we are right now. Uh, Christina, what do you make of this? So it's interesting. So this is now the second time in 20 years um, that Bungie has been acquired. Uh, it mm -hmm. was acquired by Microsoft in the early 2000s. Um, and it's one of the reasons that Halo was able to come out as an exclusive Xbox game. And because they primarily, they'd been like a, a Mac publisher, ironically, like before that, like they mm -hmm. mostly made Mac games. So a lot of Mac people remember them fondly from those days. And then um, they were spun out from Microsoft uh, 20, 2006, 2007. I don't remember what year. Um, and uh, and then, it, you know, it was independent again, although I think they'd, I think there was still a licensing agreement or something. And then, you know, but they were fully independent. Halo obviously belongs full stop to Microsoft and, and Bungie hasn't worked on it in a long time. So it is interesting to see like that this is a studio and, and this is a company that, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but like they've always kind of been like a, a one game place. Like this is not a studio that makes a lot of games like Destiny 2 is the only game they make. Um, yeah, and before that, it was just Destiny. It's just Destiny, right? Right, and, and before, and before, and before, it, it was just totally Halo. So it's it's interesting, like just kind of seeing kind of the history that this is a company that is now going to be owned, you know, in in the you know in in its relatively short lifespan by you know two of the three major game um, uh, uh, makers, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Um, but it is also, I think, to me, I mean, it's the the size of the deal feels large. Um, only because again, and this isn't to say anything like negatively about the Bungie people. I actually have some friends who work at Bungie. Uh, they are based in, in Redmond uh, or not Redmond, they're in Bellevue. So mm -hmm. they're close by. Um, it's just, again, it's a one game studio, right? Like, yeah, I, I, the, yeah. whereas the deal size is very similar to what like Microsoft paid for the Bethesda. 
maybe that's a testament to how much the market yeah. has changed in a year. But that also feels like a lot, right? Like that feels like... It does feel like a lot. And I wonder how much of that is about Bungie's expertise in matchmaking and creating online um, online communities and that like any any technological underpinnings of that because that's like really what's special about them right is that for yeah. so long i mean since halo multiplayer took off it's been like 20 years that they've been really at the center of of online community play they're, they kind of invented that in they a way. They really did, honestly, at least at the console level, right? Like, I yeah. think that you had, you had, um, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely console specific, yeah, right? Yeah, I was going to say, because you had like Battle.net, I think, you know, um, from Blizzard, maybe before that. Um, and, uh, you know, with like um, mm-hmm. uh, World of Warcraft and, and or uh, not World of Warcraft, but Warcraft, I guess, and Starcraft and whatnot. Another another piece of this also, I believe, yes. Uh, so uh, the Polygon piece that I'm reading about this references that in 2018, uh, Bungie did get a large investment of $100 million from NetEase mm-hmm. um, and announced that it would, quote unquote, begin the creation of new worlds. Uh, I don't think we've seen anything about that yet, but it seems like there might be the possibility that they could expand in some way, um, especially with Sony support. Uh, but but you're right that that is not really in keeping with what they've previously done. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think the it's a great studio. I think this makes sense. Um, a lot of people are seeing this as in response to Activision Blizzard. It's clearly not. It was clearly in the works long before that was announced. Um if anything, it would probably be a response to Bethesda. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, 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 you know, it plus the size of the deal. I mean, it's like not even it, it's it's like a fraction. It's like a tenth of the size. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's, it's not even remarkably it's not even remotely comparable to Activision Blizzard. Right. Um, but but I, but, if it, but it might be a reaction to, to Bethesda. Um, I do think it's interesting that Bungie went out of its way to be like, we will continue to be, you know, platform agnostic and mm-hmm. uh, self-publish and whatnot um, because, okay, great. Like as a gamer, I love that. But okay, so why is Sony buying you? Like what's in it for them? I really wonder if their future games will be though. Like it says yeah. they have the option to, and I, I understand keeping Destiny 2 that way. And they've said Destiny 2 will stay multi-platform. Any future like versions of Destiny 2 will be the same cross-platform. So it's not like they're going to release a bunch of um expansions just for playstation supposedly is what they're saying right now but i heavily doubt that if they say much like with halo like moved on from destiny and came out with a totally new franchise i would be very surprised if that were multi-platform yeah that's that's a fair point i guess i i just don't know the size of the studio um to know like are they working on other things? How much are they? Uh, like, how far are they on those things? You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, I definitely don't know that either. Who does? Yeah. I, I think the question this is raising for me, actually, is we have seen in recent years some movements towards a de-sandboxing of online games, and especially driven by Epic Games and Fortnite, where yeah. cross-platform play has become possible in ways that it wasn't before because companies have this huge, massive game, Fortnite, mm-hmm. and people want to play with their friends. And right. so companies are kind of relaxing their restrictions on, oh, you can't play cross-platform with with people on Xbox because right. uh, of our arbitrary rules about money. Do we think that this uh, ongoing consolidation of the games industry will set that de-sandboxing back? I don't know. Or will it, yeah, or will it continue? Well, and it's interesting because Sony's actually been the the biggest culprit there, right? Like, they are it, the holdout. They, they, they are the holdout. They hate to do it. They hate, they to, hate share. to do it. Like, like they had to do it with Fortnite, um, but they were basically like dragged kicking and screaming. Yeah. Um, they hate to do it. They don't want to do it. Uh, uh, Valve doesn't really like to do it either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Steam really doesn't like to do it either. If you buy a Steam game, they really don't like you to play with people on another platform. Um, so... I don't know. I I would like to say that it would maybe help, but I I feel like it is going to maybe be a step back because mm-hmm. I feel like the 
the next big thing isn't even so much going to be where you bought the game, but if we're honest, it's going to be what subscription service are you subscribed to? Yeah. And I think even with Xbox, who has previously been pretty open to sharing, like we've seen with the um, Activision or no, the Bethesda acquisition, I believe it was said that Elder Scrolls Six would be um, an Xbox and PC exclusive. Um, so I, I feel like even there, Microsoft's uh, habit of maybe being a little more open than other companies might be turning around now right. that they have such a huge, huge slice of the pie that they might not even right. need to make their games playable on other consoles unless maybe unless of course they they managed to get xbox on playstation or nintendo i think that would be a different case i think that would be a different case too i do think though i mean the the pc part i think that's how they kind of maybe get around some of the openness is that they do still sell those games on other channels yeah um and um you know the pc game multiplayer game thing is is still an option other consoles that's different right i think that's what has been was unique about you know has been fairly unique about fortnite and some of the others is that they kind of recognize people play them on a bunch of different types of devices and, and you know, brought people kind of like Sony, who's been the long holdout, you know, kicking and screaming <laughs> to, to let people do it. But Sony hates to do it, right? Um, yeah. and, and that's partially because they were coming at it from a position of strength. Like, why should we have to? Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, it would be interesting to see if Sony starts to change their tune not so much that, like, it's not as if there are fewer PlayStation gamers out there because that's not going to be the case. PlayStation is still the, the big console. But, uh, you know, PC gaming having a real moment and with uh, Game Pass growing and with all that content that is going there, you know, at a certain point, it's like, okay, even if we sell the most consoles, we might not have the most gamers. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So I don't know. Um, that, that'll, that'll remain to be seen. I, I could see, though, like... I wish that it would be better for everything. I kind of feel like it, if if it is, it's almost like, I mean, I don't know. I wish we could get to a point where you could just kind of have an Omni login, at least on the game itself, and play across whatever service you're on for online play, right? What a beautiful fantasy. I, I know. I know. It'd be great. But because I still feel like there would be ways that you could lock people in on other things. It's like, okay, if you want certain, you know, like spiffs if you want certain you know like features yeah, or like whatnot you, can play you know what Fortnite I mean? everywhere but you bought all your good skins on xbox right that kind of thing yeah totally i mean i think that that would be a fair thing to do because like because it's like okay i'm gonna play it on xbox but i can still play my friends who are on other systems like yeah. i feel like the multiplayer aspect you know what i mean like i feel like there's a difference in those things i mean as great as it would be to have everything go all over the place i think that's uh, not going to happen but at least I would like to have some sort of federation for online play. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, I would really love to know, and I don't know if this exists, if there are any hard numbers behind people's friendship friendships driving their console purchases. Because I know for me, it's, it's mostly about what uh, UI I like using and what mm-hmm. like situation I want to play in, like sitting down or in bed or at a desk whatever right that's what drives it for me but i bet if i were a dedicated say warzone player or something that might be quite different yeah yeah i bet it depends on the game type too you know what i mean like if you're really into a certain game in a certain community maybe that's the thing and like maybe it depends on your friend group yeah. like for me when i play multiplayer i usually don't play with my friends Honestly, you know, I'm, I guess a, a good analog for this would be servers in an MMO like Final Fantasy 14. Yeah, because if you if all your friends are in one server and that server is called Sony, <laughs> right, <laughs> then you have to get into that server and you have to buy that PlayStation. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I it'll be interesting. I, th- I think this will be another sub conversation to follow as we see how these companies consolidate um because i am very interested in that i do personally think that we're gonna see a walking back of these uh slightly relaxed uh modes of online play yeah but we'll see we'll see christina do you have a prediction for who's gonna buy who next so i mean i was saying this um uh on twitter so it feels like ubisoft and cd project red are probably the the next 
two that I would think about. Oh, oh yeah. And uh, Vivendi tried to cannibalize Ubisoft a few years ago it and they did. avoided it. Right. Um, and now, now, as somebody pointed out, Ubisoft is a French company and they are very French. And there are some like national, like there are some A, some laws, and, and then mm-hmm. they're also like very proud of their French thing. So that might make it somewhat difficult, but Vivendi is uni- is is French as well. So, yes. you know, uh, so that could have happened. Um, but, I, but CD Projekt Red with the the problems they're having, I feel like they could maybe be ripe for something. EA is the one everybody's talking about. Here's the thing with EA. EA would be an Activision size deal because their market cap right now, I think, is $36 billion. So you would have to pay a multiple of that, even if it was a small multiple, even if it was one and a half times. That's, again, putting you at Activision Blizzard type of, of you know, cash. Mm-hmm. There are very few companies that have that amount of money um, who would do it like, uh, who, or, or who could take on the debt to do that. So, uh, Microsoft, uh, it would obviously not like, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's doing Activision Blizzard. It's going to have to go through the FTC for that. And, um, which, you know, like, so <laughs> they're not going to do a round two for multiple 60 billions of dollars. <laughs> no, I mean, if it, I mean, I, I feel like they're probably done acquiring studios for quite some time, at least until the deal closes. Yeah. Right. Like I, I don't, I, I don't know anything, but I, that would just make sense to me. Um, you have Google who has gone in the complete opposite direction, uh, which is good considering how they've handled Stadia. Uh, you have Tencent, which could be interesting, but again, I don't, that would have regulatory things because they're Chinese. I don't know. Um, and then you have Amazon, which honestly would make a ton of sense. Uh, it would. Uh, but I don't know if they need it. And I don't know if they need it right now. Did Amazon just buy something? Or was that an example that we were tossing around last week as a, it would have been smart if they had? It was. I think it was if they would have been smart if they had. They, they yeah. bought some stuff. They bought some smaller things, but they haven't really gone all in, right? Um, I but, have a wild card. Yeah. So in 2021, Netflix bought Night School Studio, right? Uh, who made Oxen Free and After Party. Mm-hmm. What if would Netflix have the cash? I don't think they have the cash for EA. Mm. Okay. Um, uh, I think that, um, especially given like what's happened with their stock in the last, um, year, um, yeah. I, I, I don't think that Netflix has the cash for EA. And, and, and I think that if you're going to go after EA, I think you already have to have a really serious game strategy. Now, Amazon yeah. definitely has the cash and, and with Twitch, they could maybe make the excuse, but, but EA is, you know, like the, the, the big dog. So I, I don't know. They're just very, like, app. Apple obviously has the money. Apple's not buying EA. People keep saying that. I'm like, Apple's biggest acquisition in history was like $3 billion. Apple's not spending, you know, $50 billion. They're not doing it. Doesn't the EA stand for electric Apple? (laughs) There you go. Um, So so I don't know. I feel like CD Projekt Red could be one. Ubisoft could be one. Um, You could have smaller studios. I think that what we've all expected for a long time has been for Sony to just make it official and buy Square Enix. Oh, Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah, that perfectly makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I I feel like that's just a foregone conclusion that will happen. I don't know when, but that will happen. Um, Sony though is in an interesting place because they don't have uh, people are like, oh, could Sony buy EA? I'm like, well, I don't think so. They don't have the cash now. Could they get a loan it's, for it? Yeah. Sure. But the problem is, is I I don't know if you know their shareholders would agree to take on that kind of debt. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you'd have to look at, okay, well, how long will it take for us to earn this back? Yeah. And 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 how much should we be investing otherwise? So I don't know. But but people keep saying EA, and I just feel like Amazon is probably the only realistic possibility there, and I don't know if they want it. Um, so I feel like some of the smaller ones might be, you know, uh, Ubisoft, uh, CD Projekt Red, um, uh, Square Enix. Yeah, that makes those sense. Are, those are my thoughts. So stay tuned, uh, listeners. Tweet us uh, who you think will be acquired or will do the acquiring next. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Electric. If you're striving to build a small business into an empire, you're going to want to hear this because you know that one second you're dreaming up the big idea that's going to double your business, the next second you're cleaning spilled latte out of your intern's laptop because that's the reality of being a boss. This is such a good segue from talking about acquiring. <laughs> honestly, it really is. This is I like started perfect. laughing because I was like, yeah, I'm going to start build my small business by purchasing a multi-million dollar gaming publisher. But wait, I have something that is a better idea and more applicable to all of you, our listeners. The team over at Electric 
know the challenges that you face as a small business owner. Remember spilling coffee all over laptops and needing to deal with it yourself because you're the boss and it's your responsibility. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire that you're dreaming of. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you are good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Uh, I cannot describe to you how much time I spend bothering my IT department about every little problem. And like we even have, you know, two different services for this. Like we have the IT that handles the machines and the IT that handles like licenses for programs like the Adobe Suite. Um, Every day, everyone at the company is pestering those people on Slack going, help. Don't let that be you. Don't be the person answering those Slack messages. Outsource that. For Rocket listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash rocket to set it up. That is electric.ai slash rocket to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. Well, over at Spotify, there has been quite the kerfuffle this week with artists and listeners uh, throwing up their arms over uh, vaccine misinformation on Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, Vaccine misinformation on the Joe Rogan experience is, of course, nothing new. Uh, But what is new is the way that some of Spotify's artists have been reacting. So the backstory of this is, of course, that Spotify is rumored to have paid somewhere around $100 million to get an exclusive license to the Joe Rogan experience, which has just a massive, massive listenership. I think it's still the biggest podcast in the world. Yeah, Uh, Rogan famously plays fast and loose with medical information on the podcast. Uh, He has a lot of he likes to do this thing where he brings people on who have dubious medical credentials or dubious opinions and just just asks questions about vaccines and masks just because he wants he wants to know what they think. He's he doesn't have opinions. He he's not experienced. He's not a doctor. He just wants to know what people think and maybe give them a little bit of a platform. Just just people who have certain opinions about masks and vaccines. Ah, Spotify's uh, head of. Oh, so there was a, a sort of outcry about this uh, vaccine misinformation and just medical information in general is against Spotify's content guidelines. And people were like, wait, does this not qualify as against those guidelines? He apparently in 2021 advised 21 year olds not to get vaccinated. I guess they, quote unquote, don't need to. Um, Spotify's head of global communications and public relations, Dusty Jenkins, said that they had, you know, reviewed all of the episodes where Rogan talked about vaccines and said they did not meet the threshold for removal. That's quote unquote. Uh, Those guidelines they have now published uh, after this outcry so that people can see what they're missing. Um, But... Artists like Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, India Ari, and Nils Lofgren are asking for their music to be removed from the platform in protest over Joe Rogan not being removed from the platform. Uh, Potentially related, Brene Brown, uh, who also has a Spotify podcast, is taking a break from that. Although I last I saw, she has not confirmed whether it's about this, but... (laughs) The timing is very, the timing is meaningful to Mm me. Um, Spotify, of course, what they are not doing is deplatforming Joe Rogan because they paid a lot of money for him and he is their most successful podcast. They have made one policy change, which is that they will label episodes of any podcast, not just Joe Rogan Experience, but any podcast that discusses COVID-19. Uh, Ashley Carmen has a take on this on The Verge that I, I thought was quite uh, quite incisive, which is this is kind of what happens when instead of a podcast creator being on multiple platforms and subject mm-hmm. to the whims of social media, you know, they can go viral or not go viral depending on uh, 
listeners' whims, but podcast, or podcast, Spotify has a financial incentive to keep Joe Rogan on the air and, in right. fact, continue to promote him because they paid a lot of money for him and they will lose a lot of listeners if they do anything, if they take any actions against this podcast. Christina, what do you make of this whole situation? I mean, it's uh, it's unfortunate. It's also completely predictable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Spotify knew what they were buying. Let's be really clear about that. They knew what they were buying. They made the decision to buy it. So it's sort of, uh, I feel so. So to me, on that end, I feel like their response to this has been really lacking. Because how how did you not know? Like mm-hmm. you, they, they they chose to not take. Um, I think it was like like thirty nine episodes of his show or something like that. When um, you know, from from his catalog. When he moved on to Spotify last year, they chose not to bring those episodes over. So they clearly have, you know, either for content reasons or just because they didn't want to deal with the backlash. They had some sort of, you know, line where they're like, okay, we don't want you having that stuff on. They have been fairly clear with him, at least from what Rogan has said, about not giving him any sort of editorial mandates. And and, and look, I think that is, you know, fair for the most part, like not to say that there shouldn't be any standards, but, you know, if you're going to acquire some something like you typically want it to remain successful. And mm. and that means, you know, having a certain amount of autonomy for the creators. It does, I think, put them in a weird spot where I, I Kara Swisher was on Anderson Cooper and was talking about this. And I do feel like Spotify is trying to have it both ways where they're trying to like play off the card of like, oh, well, we're just the tech company. No, um, as, as Ashley <laughs> pointed out in her article, which I really liked, it's like, no, you you bought this, you own this. So you have to answer these questions, even when they're uncomfortable, because you're the one who chose to make this an exclusive deal. Even, um, and, and to, you know, not all of Spotify's podcasts have that. Like they do have a number of podcasts, like the ones in the Ringer Network and whatnot that are available still through RSS. Um, mm-hmm. But they have a, a, a few that they've bought, you know, like um, like um, Color Daddy and, and Rogan and a few others but, that are exclusives that are behind the paywall that you have to use their app to use. And they've done that for a reason. And so that means that you have to answer the questions that people bring up for a reason. Um, I think that uh, anyone who thought that any of the artists who are removing their music and any of the people that are, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, uh, performatively and, and, you know, like, uh, you know, posting their I cancel Spotify screenshots, like, look, Cancel if you want. You ha- you have full right to do that. If you think that's actually going to move and, and and make any sort of decision process for this company, you I think you were completely mistaken. Uh, I also feel like the artists who remove their content, look, uh, th- those are not artists that Spotify cares about. Not in comparison to to Joe Rogan, they just don't. And also, I mean, well, let's be honest; they're probably not making much money from Spotify because one hundred percent nobody does. (laughs) Nobody does except for the people at the very top. And and you know, it's like when you look at the number of streams that Neil Young gets in a year. I'm not saying anything. Like, look, Neil Young also sold his catalog, his masters, about half of his stuff for a bunch of money last year, which great for him. Like, you know, you you get that money, Neil. Neil is a curmudgeon anyway. If you remember, he had the Pono music player, and he had to he tried his own own like uh high fidelity oh, yeah. streaming service <laughs> like 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 so, so neil has has his own issues with spotify anyway because he thinks they sound terrible um which fine uh but but you know it's not as if yeah to your point they're not making a lot of money on this anyway so it's not a big lift for them well i, I think in light of that you know me i love a gesture and I love fruitlessly boycotting things because <laughs> of my personal ethics and i think it's fine and cool that artists are are doing yeah, this because like I th- totally. you know it, no it's fine for them to do it i what i do have a problem with personally is I've, if you want to do it i think that's completely fine i do have a problem with i think some of the artists who are then trying to pressure others into following their lead like mm. in terms of the shaming sort of thing which is starting yes, to happen yes that i, I agree that, with that yeah. i'm not into because first of all your financial situation is not everyone else's you know what I mean? So just yeah. because you are in a position where you can leave Spotify doesn't mean that every other artist has that capability to do that. Because many of them, like like Eve Six has been tweeting a lot about this, and they did actually change the banner on um, their Spotify page to say delete Spotify. But they don't own their masters. Sony does. Mm. So they can't remove their music even if they wanted to. And they're getting, you know, almost nothing from it. But like they, they can't remove it even if they wanted to. So all of the calls for, for all these artists to like – move their stuff off it's like yeah the artists may not have the 
ability to do it, first of all, because their record label will not, you know, oblige. Second of all, even if they did, I, you know, unless again, you're at the very, very top of the pyramid here. Like, I, I don't know if, if a lot of artists are in, are in the position to be making those sorts of gestures, honestly. So celebrities are just like us. Well, they I mean, abide by the same rules of personal boycott strategies. I mean, maybe. They should. I just, they should. I, I just feel like the thing I'm not down with, like, if you want to, if you want to quit Spotify, if you want to remove your music from Spotify, that is completely fine. I'm not real. I'm not really here for the whole shaming and like yelling at people who are not removing their music or people who are not canceling their service. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not here for that. As usual, things are more complicated than that. Yeah, I mean, I I just also feel like what was interesting to me too, and I have to just be honest about this. Like, I'm not try- I'm not defending Joe Rogan here, but this isn't new. Like, I it what- is interesting. I I'm not sure what sparked this specific moment. Yeah, because it just it to me it's not new. It's like, what did you expect? Like, it, to me, it the 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 thing that at least we're not seeing at least so far. Because I thought this was ridiculous, and I will say this, and I will probably get people who completely disagree with me on that, and that's fine. But when the employees at Spotify were like threatening to like boycott and 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 like walk out and whatnot because of of Joe Rogan, I'm like, okay, you your company made this decision to to buy this. If you want to quit your job, that's fine. But to think that you like as like a handful of employees have any sort of collective action in that decision or that you should have like as not non-editorial employees you should have any sort of say in editorial decisions that your company makes i don't agree with that at all if you want to quit your job go for it right plenty of people are but if you are not in the editorial like side of the company i kind of don't feel like you should be dictating the editorial decisions that, that those people make just being honest I think that's true. I also, like, again, am am not opposed to a dramatic gesture, although I do note that more spontaneous, disorganized gestures like that are very different from formal, like, planned protests like we've seen when when companies are unionizing or like with Activision Blizzard when there was that massive walkout like right right which which these are things that have very 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 deep roots within the company um that people are are responding to and the organization of those things is tremendous and that's what it takes for it does movements like that to succeed it does but I'm also gonna just say like I think that companies especially big companies are big places and especially because this is now an editorial decision, which Spotify should just own. They should just own, like, that's to me, that's my biggest problem with this. Like, they need to just own that this is an editorial decision and they've made the editorial decision to keep him on and to support him and to promote him. That is the decision they have made and they need to own that. Um, I do have a problem, I think, when, like, people who aren't in that side of the house feel like their voice is just as important and that they should somehow like have control over that it's mm-hmm. so like i i you know like if, if things are that egregious and, it, and if they represent bigger things if you want to organize something that's fine but like i i mean how would you feel if if people if the it team told you what types of videos you could and couldn't make feel weird <laughs> right so so that that's that's kind of like where i'm at with that and and that at least hasn't happened or at least not that i've seen i'm sure that there's some employees who are upset by these things but i don't know what it was that set this off it's fine to have the conversation i think that spotify has handled it poorly i i Kara Swisher said this and i actually agree with her even though i feel like he's always somewhat disingenuous because that is how he is but i felt like rogan's response was significantly better than spotify's um so describe he was contrite in some ways and at least seemed open to some feedback and maybe even making some changes. He didn't double down on the whole, like, well, I'm going to just completely go all in on all the stuff you disagree with, which to be fair is an attitude. A lot of people in his position would have, would have gone to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like I, 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 so that was at least heartening to see if only because I don't want the most popular podcasts in the country to be even more like flame like, fanning. Yeah. And, and, and to be spreading even more information. Right. But like, 
Tucker Carlson, for instance, will double, triple, quadruple down on whatever criticism he has from <laughs> he anyone. He loves to do that. And and at least in this case, and who knows if it'll hold up or not, I mean, he at least acknowledged, okay, we'll have warnings. I agree with that. Maybe I should have more people on more quickly who disagree with the points of view of these people and whatnot. I mean, I, I always feel like he's disingenuous when he's like, well, I'm just asking questions. I'm just bringing people on to have a talk. No, you're you're doing it for a certain reason, and and you want to provoke a certain reaction, and that's fine. Like I, I you know, like I, I'm not. Like, that is what it is. But at least he seems more open to some of the the criticism, um, which is more than you could say. And I realize it's a very low bar, but this is where we are. Where when the number one cable news host, who's Tucker Carlson, like quadruples down, I don't want someone who has the reach that he has to potentially become even more inflamed, like you said. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Wealthfront. We all have regrets, and for a lot of people, not starting to think about their financial future or retirement earlier in life is one of them. The great thing about getting started with investing earlier in life is that you have more time to build your wealth. Instead of putting off your financial future, go to wealthfront.com. You can start investing in no time with Wealthfront's classic portfolio, or make it your own with things that you care about, like socially responsible funds, technology, or hundreds of other investments. Wealthfront was designed by financial experts to help you turn your good ideas into great investments, without the hassle of doing everything yourself. Don't want to spend hundreds of hours trying to lower your tax bill? They help you do that. Not sure how to rebalance your portfolio or what rebalancing is? They do it for you automatically. Wealthfront is trusted with over $28 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. And the best part is their product is simple and powerful. It has 4.8 stars in the Apple App Store. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com rocket. That is W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash rocket to start building your wealth. Go to wealthfront.com slash rocket to get started today. Our thanks to Wealthfront for their support of this show and Relay FM. Happy Wordle Dessert Day. I am sad Yay. because Brie really wanted to be here to talk about Wordle. I know. Uh, but she ain't here. But fortunately she was not here so long that more real big wordle news happened for us to discuss uh so the new york times announced on monday that it is acquiring wordle amazing uh as part of its efforts to expand its games uh like its crosswords and spelling bee uh and digital subscriptions it purchased it acquired wordle from josh wordle the creator for a price that is, quote-unquote, in the low seven figures, according to the New York Times article about the New York Times purchasing Wordle, which I enjoyed reading. Yes. Uh, so far, the Times has said that the game will initially, quote-unquote, remain free to new and existing players. Ah! This, uh, this definitely, uh, yet another acquisition in the games industry. <laughs> right, right. And then this one hits us the hardest. I feel like if the Times is smart, they will keep it free. Mm-hmm. Was it you who had the, like, suggestion of what they should do that I saw? Uh, maybe. Uh, I, 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 I tweeted some things, but you might be thinking of someone else because mine didn't go super big, I don't think. But I don't know. Um, my, my thought would be that they should they should keep it free. Um, and use it just as like the, the thing to get, to get people a taste, you know, like you can advertise all of your other things. You can have it in the app. You can do all kinds of stuff with it, but you can make it free. And actually what would be smart, you could make the archives like paid only, like only people who are, right. That's really smart. Like, I feel like that would be great. Like, make the daily game free. But if you want to play yesterday's game, if you forgot or you want to go back and, and play, you know, the, the first 200 days that you haven't before, like, yeah, you know, you, then you, you can do that. Um, I feel like that would be smart. Um, I also, um, but I feel like even though they're just saying initially, I feel like make it free because I feel like this would be a really, really good entryway for people to get into the crossword and get into spelling bee and get into the minis. 
you know, and maybe do the math and realize, oh, actually, I can get a good deal on the the, the Times Digital subscription and just pay for that instead of paying for the game subscription. You know, like mm-hmm. there there are lots of opportunities there for them. So I hope that they keep it for free. Yeah, I would selfishly like them to to keep it free. <laughs> um, I I kind of doubt that they will. But I, I do like the idea. And I, I do think the idea is sound of just like having having that page with Wordle for free and then directing to their other games, like showing them there yeah. as a temptation, a tempting offering. Yeah. I mean, plus, I think one of the benefits would be like if you're a subscriber, because this is presumably something they can do now, which I think is exciting, would be to actually have the ability to sync across devices, which right yes. now you can't do. Right. Yeah. So um, it, uh, like the the times, it doesn't quite work. Like if I'm playing something on, you know, the web versus the app, it doesn't quite work that way. But the app is available kind of everywhere. And at least my my, you know, um my scores and where I left off and those sorts of things pick up. It's just like, okay, if I'm playing Spelling Bee, for instance, if I'm playing it in the app versus on the website, I don't think that those sync quite the same way. But like my history of stuff definitely does. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that would be a great incentive too for people to potentially subscribe. And selfishly, as someone who is is a time subscriber, I would be very happy to have them all in one app. So I don't have to open you know two mm-hmm. different tabs, right? Because yeah. I play, I play, I I do the crossword almost every day. Um, I play Spelling Bee fairly often. I play Wordle every single day. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm excited for that possibility. I'm really happy for 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 Josh Wardell, though. Yes, I'm very happy for the creator who, of course, has not monetized the the website. Never wanted to put a financial like put a price on it. Um, just made it as a sort of offering to his partner. Um, and then, of course, saw it ripped off in the App Store by a bunch of people, including uh, the the guy who bragged on Twitter about the um, about his app that was a copycat of Wordle, just straight up raking in subscriptions because he was offering paid subscriptions in his ripoff app. He tweeted saying that if he had known Wordle would have sold it for low seven figures, he would have bought it because he was pulling in so much money a day with his ripoff app before apple removed it from the app store before he yeah. could make any of that money unfortunately his uh, he re-released it with a slightly different design and different name um he's blocked me on twitter incidentally so i've had to find this out by like just <laughs> like looking at his account not logged in because you know it's it's so hard to uh like yeah. find out what people are saying and i because uh, like, I, I i'm so hurt that this jackass has blocked me on twitter like i care um but he um like but the app that he's uh doing okay this is his current thing it is not doing well which is the the good news he was telling everybody oh the name's not a big deal just buy you know ads on uh, associated with wordle and and who cares and i'll make so much money off of it he's making um 100 to 200 dollars a day in revenue he has three and a half thousand daily average users and 400 plus downloads a day so that's not great when you look at the strategies that he has employed where he basically what this guy does is that he's figured out a very smart way. Um, I mean, it's scummy, but it's smart of buying a ton of Facebook and um, App Store ads and um, just spamming the hell out of stuff. So to, to basically get people into a funnel where they subscribe, in this case, the app is $30 a year. He also has like a hashtag app, which apparently makes like $100,000 a month. Um, but he, yeah, he, he makes a lot of money on his stuff and it's scammy as all get out. So whatever, um, actually more than a hundred thousand a month. Let's see. His revenue is $288,000 a month, but he, his ad spend is 121,000. So he's spending $121,000 a month on ads and he's making 288,000. So he's making 160 grand a month, which. God, okay. I wish that were me. Me too. <laughs> but also I kind of like living with myself and I don't think that I. Yeah. I, I don't think I would in any way be happy if I knew that the way I was making my money was by convincing people into dark patterns to sign up for $60 a month subscriptions yeah. for gross things. Like, I'm just not into that person. That's fair. You make it, you raise a wonderful point. All of his attempts with his, like, Wordle clone, I'm, I'm this is why I'm putting that perspective. I'm not trying to say that somebody making, you know, uh, three and a half uh, thousand daily average users, I'm not trying to say, like, oh, that, that's nothing. People are, are indie devs or would maybe love that i'm saying for someone who's trying to gain the system the way he has it has failed and i love that Mm -hmm. Uh, tangentially one of the talking points i've seen around this uh is that you know it comes on the heels of the new york times 
dragging their feet over acknowledging the Wirecutter Union, who right. wants a total $300,000 in raises. Right. Um, and then they plonked out, quote unquote, low seven figures for yeah. a yeah, game. Pe- yeah, I, I heard at least what, what people who seem to have a good handle on it said it was probably between like two and four million, um, which makes se- which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, the one thing I will say to that, you know, the, the Jagoff who, um, made the clones, uh, he probably could have sold for more, uh, honestly, he probably could have monetized it for more than that. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that it is a credit to him that he didn't. And, um, it is, it, it is gross that like, obviously, well, you know, but the times not, not only did they buy, uh, Wordle, but they, they bought the athletic. Mm-hmm. So, so they spent $550 million on the athletic. So honestly, if we really want to talk about the disparity here, I think that that should be the example, not putting any sort of thing on this indie developer. Honestly, like I don't want him. Yes. To be, yeah. I don't, want, <laughs> I don't want him to be associated with this at all because it has nothing to do with him. If you really wanted to get down to it, like they spent $550 million on the athletic and and that should be, you know, if you're going to make those comparisons. But I don't think those are fair comparisons. I, I feel like they're unrelated things. It just shows like where what a company values and and, and what they don't. And and well, I, I think that's what makes it a fair comparison is that uh, so often expansion is valued over increasing uh, remuneration. Of OK, OK, that's employees. fair. That's fair. I, I guess what I mean is I feel like people sometimes when they when they put it in those phrases, they like make it almost like a value thing where you're supposed to feel bad, like the thing that got money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's supposed to somehow feel guilty because they would spend it on one thing but not on another. And I just feel like clearly the company shows what they value more. But if you were somebody who was part of the athletic or if you're Josh Wardell, like it's not your problem. And I don't think you should feel any guilt about it that they are, you know, dragging their feet in union negotiations, which is terrible, but they were willing to buy your company. Yeah, I don't think I saw people making that point, but I, I do think it is valid that, you know, the the Times is very clearly showing what it values here. Oh, yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. I will say, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I do feel like putting all of the, the union stuff aside uh, which I know is difficult, you know, but but I, I also feel like it's a separate question, which is, will the Times be a good steward of this or not? I actually do yeah. think that they will be a good steward of it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, they they have the game infrastructure. This is kind of what they do, these little word games, um, which is a demeaning way of describing the Times' <laughs> successful games uh, empire. Um, speaking of which, I've gotten really into the Vulture 10 by 10 this week. Speaking oh, yeah. of companies that my company owns and acquired uh, instead of giving raises to any of its employees. Uh, <laughs> um, I had one more point about Wordle. Uh, oh, yes. So on Polygon, our own Ana Diaz published a piece uh, just letting people know about the hard mode because I, I think mm-hmm. we on this podcast all know about the hard mode because yep. we play the game but it's this setting that you can turn on and it makes it so you can only i accidentally played hard mode first without even realizing i didn't oh, no. I, I didn't even realize i wasn't playing hard mode but sorry oh, go no. on um it's the setting you can turn on so if you you can only use letters that uh if, if you've guessed a correct letter you must use that letter in subsequent rounds she published an article about this and we got a bunch of people in the comments saying oh, I only play this way and not even on hard mode. This is just how I play. And actually, which I understand, some people like to play that way. The follow-up, which I saw a surprising amount of, was actually this is the correct and strategically good way to play. And I don't understand why you wouldn't do it. To which I, I just wanted to bring up as an addendum to this Wordle topic because it is so egregiously wrong. <laughs> Right, that right. I needed to vent about it. Well, well, pl- pl- please vent. So, so what? What is your problem with people who say that that is the only way to play? I mean, look for for the record, I agree with you, but I, but I, I, I want to hear your vent on All this. All right, let's mathematically do this. If, let me say it off r- right off the bat. If this is how you like to play, that's fine. I love you. If this is how your brain needs you to play because it's easy for easier for you to think of words when you play in this way, that's all right. I love you. Mathematically, if I have guests say 
one or two letters of a potential five letter word, and I, I, I have some of those confirmed, I can waste two slots reusing those letters and hope that I get the right word on my third round. Or I could use all five slots on new letters and I could get five new pieces of valuable information and become much, much closer to getting the correct word. Mathematically, it is easier to play if you use discovery rounds and say, like, if I lock in a G in the first Mm -hmm. slot in round one, I'm not going to use G in my subsequent rounds because I know it's there. I'd rather use something else in that place. Yeah, I would say that this, I think that hard mode means that it will take you longer to solve it. Mm-hmm. but potentially, right? Like, I think that, like, yeah. it, if your goal is to have it, like, three or less, I think that if you're in hard mode, unless you're doing what I do, which is also keeping a record of where stuff is, you know, mm-hmm. and, and 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 kind of, like, like writing it down. Like, I have a scratch pad. It's not even uh, written. It's electronic because I'm that person where I have, like, you know, where I'm kind of going through uh, thoughts yeah. in my head, right? So so if I'm if I'm doing that, um, in, in hard or like regardless of what mood I'm in, you know what I mean? Like if my goal is to have as few guesses as possible, which typically it is, but if my goal is just to solve it, I think you're right. I don't think that hard mode is actually any harder. Yeah, I guess it's not hard. Well, no, because I think it is harder. That's not the point I'm making. I think it is harder because, well, in a sense of pure luck, uh, a person in the comments of the Polygon article used a uh, a four-letter Example. So let's say you had locked in PRI and had two blank spots. That could be prick, prime, prize, privy. Um, it, it could be so, so, so many words. So if you're playing on hard mode and you're not using the PRI slots mm-hmm. to discover, like, is it a ZE? Is it a VY? Is it an ME? Right then I think you it, it does make it harder because you but it but it also makes it completely luck based at a certain point. So yeah, I guess it is kind of disingenuous to call it hard. But no, it is harder. No, no, it's harder. I, th- I think I think I just I mean, like, I, it, it's a harder game. I just feel like you could still, you know, based on what you're doing, if, if you if you get it or whatnot, like if, if you're keeping track of stuff, like mm-hmm. I think you could still um, solve it just because you could guess more letters, as you were saying, if you're just not even regarding like mm. what the placement is or whatnot. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. <sighs> because you might be willing to, if, if you know it's PRI, but if, if, if you don't want to, you know, kind of like blow those things and, and you want to find out like, is it Z? Is it something else? Is it whatnot? Like you only have have two letters to kind of play with. You could, you know, use a different word that could have a bunch of those, you know, letters in it. Like, you know, things that might not naturally go together and figure out, oh, okay, I see that there's a Z. So, you know, if I put But in- if you had run, if you had basically run out of, guesses yeah no i mean that's true i'm just saying like like if you have like pri and if then when what you wanted to do is you is you guessed zebra right which yeah but in hard mode you wouldn't be able to do that okay is the the point oh okay all right all right i'm misunderstanding but yeah yeah that's true um anyway but 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 go back to your kind of contention but you you don't believe that hard mode is the only pure mode no i don't care at all i my my argument is with people who think that it is strategically better to play without discovery rounds they are wrong it is mathematically much harder to play uh to to not use discovery rounds oh yeah for sure hell yeah yeah i agree with that completely all right but i also i also just say play how you want to play right like of course yeah but don't know? tell me that it's actually easier because <laughs> it's not <laughs> Ah, all right. Um, hey, I think that's our show for this week. Yeah, I think so. Christina, what are you up to? Um, so I am actually, so I'm flying out on Friday. I'm taking Friday and Monday off of work, and I'm going to Atlanta. I'm actually, so we were going to have to record next Tuesday, or you're going to find me a replacement, because I will be at a Casey Musgraves concert next Woo. Wednesday. Nice. Um, so uh, Adele has been... Uh, 
freaking Adele. I'm very mad at her, to be What's honest. What's she done to you? Well, she canceled or postponed or whatever the, the, the tour. And I spent a ridiculous amount of money on tickets in Las Vegas. And now I'm in a holding pattern until she either cancels for sure or reschedules. Mm. So um, I'm mad about that, frankly, because I don't know when the rescheduling will happen. And like that is not great, right? It, no. it, it's not when you've spent, I, I'm not, $3,500. On tickets. Oh my god! I know, Why? I know, I know, I I know. Well, it's for my mom. I don't want my mom to know how much I spent ever. So, mom, please don't listen to this podcast. She won't. Um. So, <laughs> uh. But but so I've been planning on on going to Vegas with her in March. That's obviously not happening. But uh, in the lead up to that, even before that, I bought Casey Musgrave tickets for my sister. This was back before things got like, you know, more uh, um, fraught again. But uh, the concert is still on, so I'm flying out to Atlanta, and I will be working from home um, next week. I will still be working. I'm taking uh, the, the Friday and the Monday off, and I'm, I'll be mm-hmm. working the rest of the week. And um, and we will be going to the concert, so I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, but I'm also annoyed with Adele because I'm thinking about that now because I will be going to the Casey Musgraves concert. Your annoyance only fuels her art. I mean, whatever. Like, do, do have you heard the drama on this? No. Okay, so she claimed that, like, the show just wasn't ready. She was like, the crew, you know, half my crew's come down with COVID. You know, we can't go on. She did this 24 hours before the first um, of her residency things. Then it turns out she wasn't using a union crew, so that was probably one of the reasons why things weren't great, which in Vegas especially is kind of a big no-no. Then it also, like, the rumors were that, like, they were all ready to go. They had the set pieces. Everything was done. She just wasn't happy with how it was, which, look, is mm. fair, but that's not the same thing as what she was saying, right? Like, and, yeah. and it, it also makes it seem to people like, well, you could have, you know, canceled or made the changes earlier. And then there's additional conversation and 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 rumor mongering about, like, why she might have made these decisions, which I don't really – that I'm not going to get into and I don't care so much. For me, it's just more like, you know, the Caesars has to – is, you know, going to – rent out the Coliseum uh, regardless. And, and so it was like, okay, when, when is like the earliest that she can get back in there and like mm-hmm. reschedule mm-hmm. or is it just going to be canceled? I don't know. But it, it's frustrating. I will say too, uh, what I'm also very excited about, which we didn't talk about at all, um, we're not getting a new Rihanna album probably ever, but we are at least oh, getting yeah. like, we are at least getting a Fenty baby. So that's exciting. Yes. Uh, congrats to Rihanna, uh, devoted podcast listener of Rocket. I mean, look, pregnancy. I'm just saying, like, you asked what I'm doing this week, and I'm, I'm like, going to be looking at Rihanna and ASAP Rocky, like, photos. Like, that's, nice. that, that's part of it, so. Well, I, aside from that, I hope you have a good flight. Thank you. Um, and I'm sorry that Adele did you so dirty. It is what it is. I just, I would, I would like, I would just like to be out of, like, the purgatory thing. I'm fine with the money if the concert's going to happen. I, I'm not super excited about this presumably like Adele's giving. holding your money hostage <laughs> well I kind of and I feel like I, f- I feel like StubHub like has like a whole bunch of my money that I'm not going to be able to do anything with until a decision is made one way or another and that's what's frustrating yeah that's very annoying um I'm doing work this week and fitfully playing vampire survivors <gasps> Which uh, is this little uh, shmup that went viral it's been out for quite a while but it super popped off over these last couple weeks it's just a game where you play a little pixelated person fighting waves and waves and waves of vampiric related enemies who are coming to kill you i cannot stop playing it there's a free version on itch and i uh, impulsively end up there um many 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 times a day to see if i can survive apparently the game is around 30 minutes long i've made it about 10 minutes every time I try and then I will die to the skeleton war (sighs) every single time I cannot get past the skeleton war but I have some strats (sighs) and more importantly maybe uh, Clayton is publishing a video about the game tomorrow so if you're curious it's such a fun little video and he put it together like lightning and uh, it has a very funny and smart concept so keep an eye out for that Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to this, and I'm also because I, I I've I've heard a lot about this, but I haven't played it. Now I will have more of a reason to. So yes, um, Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Uh, 
uh, plane uh, videos will be coming to Instagram, obviously, Friday. Yay. Um, so that's good. Um, I, I might I, – I said I was going to do this last time and I didn't. I will actually do a hotel tour but of my, like, parents' house. Um, <laughs> uh, so if, if you miss those, as I do, you can tune into that. So film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can um, watch the videos I do at work, including the download with Christina Warren at YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Doom Quasar, where I am posting the most cursed advertising content that you have ever seen in your life. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have been liking interior design, vintage fashion, and Russian horse posts for long enough that Instagram thinks I am a future trad wife who should breed my mares. Yes. And um, and they think that, and they think that you're Russian because they're showing you Russian ads. I actually, so that was when I had my uh, Instagram language settings in Russian. That's why those were in Russian. Um, I then had to change it back because I couldn't understand anything okay that makes me feel a lot better because i was i was like i was like it's not just the duolingo like even instagram thinks you are so okay that makes i will a lot more say sense. you're you're not completely wrong because a lot of the reels that i get are uh, russian horse accounts because i'm gesturing here you, you can imagine the gesture i might be making obviously i'm being served russian horse accounts um, I also followed Russian Architectural Digest, which has changed a lot of things for me um, in the fabric of my online uh, advertising landscape. Anyway, I'm cursed. You can also find my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. And you can find this show on Apple Podcasts where you can give us a good, 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 good ranking. And then apparently by giving us a good ranking, accidentally inflate the ranking of the Apple Podcasts app. Yes. To five stars. Um, I, listeners, I'm willing to say it's a price that I will pay. Yeah, 100%. Please. I'm give so us five, sorry. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry that you will inadvertently be ranking the Apple podcast app. However, please just give us five stars too. Like it, it is. And if you want to leave a comment in the Apple podcast app review that says Rocket is my favorite podcast, that would be great as well. Maybe we'll get new listeners that way. Follow your truth. Um, thank you everyone for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. 